Welcome to episode 108 of the Winning Six Podcast, official podcast of BehindTheBookPass.com. I'm your host, site expert, Adam McGee, and joining me this week, the birthday boy himself, contributor and regular Winning Six guest, Jordan Tresky. Happy birthday, Jordan. How are you? Thank you, Adam. I'm doing well. Would it be safe to say that this place is up for grabs? This this plate this cake is up for grabs as we unleash this week. Yeah, we really but, released it too soon. That should have been with your face on it today, rather than Jason Kidd's for his birthday. Uh, but I I tweeted this. I don't think enough people. I don't really think anyone. Alex Koenig I saw got on it, but everyone you'll be, you'll be late by the time you hear this. But at Jordan Tresky on Twitter, will I give out your email address, Jordan? No. Um, <laughs> at Jordan Tresky. <laughs> Send them your birthday wishes. It'll make them very uncomfortable, but he will appreciate it. Uh, I, I know that much. Yes. He'll appreciate it, but he will also be uncomfortable. And that's the full Jordan Tresky experience there, really. So if you want to get I a flavor of that, wish him a happy birthday. <laughs> I was going to, I can't think of the, I guess that's the name See, of my this biography. Is the, See, this yeah, is the this... discomfort that you'll get, everyone. So. <laughs> Follow through on this, everyone listen. At Jordan Tresky, happy birthday. Uh, send me a tweet, I'll send you the email if you'd rather that. <sighs> um, what we're going to do this week, <laughs> um, at the risk of tempting fate a little, if we do happen to tempt fate, well then we'll just say it wasn't us and we'll just blame... No, I'll bring it on. No, I'll bring no, it we'll on. blame books, look. We're, we're going to, you know, we can get away with that. If it just happens, no one, will, no one will associate with us. I mean, it would just seem like a natural thing to happen. This week's podcast, Brace Yourself, is about the playoffs. I know how strange this is. Um, <laughs> trust me, it's even stranger because we decided to do this and then they lost by 15 to the Bulls. <laughs> but we're still feeling very good about the Bucks' playoff chances. Uh, Jordan is feeling very, I mean, very good about them getting there. Maybe we'll talk a little bit about what happens at that point. But Jordan is feeling very good about them getting there. You're calling it a lock to me, Jordan. You're sticking by this now that it's now that you're being recorded. It's there for the record. Are you calling it a lock? I I have a tweet lined up in my drafts for such an occasion. Maybe next win. Maybe I I I will save it for when. They get like fully like locked in. Maybe not clinch that magic number mark, but it's gonna be a safe bet. But yeah, it's, I'm. This is a very out of character 
moment for me because <laughs> I feel this is a certainty at this point. You spend a lot of time crafting your tweets. Was that a tweet like that you, you started to draft up, say, after the Greg Monroe signing? Has it been has it been in your draft since then? Yeah, I've I've so there's 140 characters and I've done one character a week. And it's been a long I mean that doesn't really line up with my It's close. Joke. It's close. It's close. I mean <laughs> Matt hasn't been the best of things for the books this week, so I don't know. <laughs> Considering some of the tweets that I happen to, to get after the whole free trophy fiasco, I'm not sure anyone will notice, Jordan. So yeah. 140 characters, 140 weeks, that works. We're going to start off with this week. We're going to be bold enough in not really our fashion to assume that the books make the playoffs. And with that in mind, we're going to talk matchups. I'm going to start out with one that I feel like Jordan's just going to keep kind of hinting towards this team if we don't go with to begin with, because he's very excited about this. He's already kind of let the cat out of the bag on Twitter about this particular one. Mm -hmm. There is one team that you really, really want the books to get. Uh, I think your chances of getting them are very, very slim and looking slimmer by the day. Uh, maybe dare I say it, a second round matchup? That's there. Um, no. But <laughs> this is the team where if you could have your pick of the teams currently above the books who are going to have home court, the team that Jordan Tresky wants the books to line up against is... The Boston Celtics. The Bucks have only played the Celtics once this year. Um, they are own one against the Celtics. They played them twice in the next nine games they played them this week and i think the week after that again well that's, that's probably all that's left of the regular season so that sounds like a safe bet for me but what in particular is it about the boston celtics the team who are now only half a game back of number one in the eastern conference that makes you go they're the guys they are the guys is <laughs> you picking off your victim and you have chosen the boston celtics why jordan I think a lot – I may have – I think I have talked about this before, but I think a lot of the problems the Celtics seem to have, in my mind, uh, are very similar to the Bucks, where they have a lot of – or Brett Stevens likes a large rotation. He likes keeping guys fresh. He likes, you know – I. I I don't know how deep it is, but it usually is like at least 10 deep on a regular basis. And I think that type of problem can, or that works in the, in the regular season. That does not work in the playoffs. Matter what round it is, even if you're trying to feel like, you know, obviously injuries happen and they have happened to Boston the uh, last couple years. That sounds right. At least last year for sure. Um, I think that could easily get in the way. I think Isaiah Thomas, as great as he has been, he's a very good player. I think he could be exploited big, bigly. Oh, yeah, that is be like it's yeah. I think if you if you see like the, the guards out of the top four, and I'm counting Kyle Lowry, a a I guess a healthy Kyle Lowry. Isaiah Thomas is easily like the one point guard that you look at and go, 
let's he seems the most attackable. Guy, guys like Kyrie, he has his moments defensively more so in the playoffs than anything. Kyle Lowry's a very good all-around player. John Wall is just a fantastic player. Um, I just think Isaiah Thomas, for as good as like as valuable he as he is to the Celtics offensively, he it's far from it defensively. And I think that if you just think about like like a lot of the Bucks offense and you know when. Middleton has it going when Giannis has it going. A lot of it is based on switches, you know, posting up on smaller guys. You have Isaiah Thomas at five nine, or arguably probably shorter. Avery Bradley is a small two guard who's a really good defender, but I don't know if that if you have a guy like Chris Middleton on him or even Giannis that they get that kind of switch. That seems pretty easy for me, like exploitable. And I just think. I, they're also a really bad rebounding team, and even though the Bucks aren't a, you know, world beaters on that end, they seem like a, uh, or out of the teams possible that they could meet, they're definitely the the one that you think you look at in that aspect and go, well, they can, you know, take that uh, category, you know, four out of seven games, maybe however long the series is. I just think there are a lot more ways where I could see the Bucks making an interesting series out of Boston than any other team that they could possibly face. And that is why and, uh, one more thing too. one more thing too. I'm not, I said this yesterday because Dan Schaefer um, brought up a really good, you know, he was talking about what teams you, uh, you know, he wanted to see in the, you know, we had a discussion about that and stuff like that. Brad Stevens has the same amount of playoff victories as one Jason Kidd in Milwaukee alone. Take that for what you will. That's not my. I'm just saying. Does that just really saying. mean anything? I mean, the Celtics team that Brad Stevens came into really had nothing. Like, I mean, he's had a good think, year. He's had they, a bad year. And I mean, they did take two games off the Hawks last year, and it was a, it was a pretty competitive series. I don't know. I kind of feel like with the players who are on that team, that means more than the two wins the books got off the Bulls. I know what you're saying. Yeah, but I I see the other the other side of this is I think an issue if you want to go that route is kid has only got that for his coaching experience. Brad Stevens has far superior coaching experience, so you could oh, say yeah. you could say their NBA experience is the same. But you look at Brad Stevens' tournament runs with Butler. I mean, that's that's comparable in terms of high stakes, even higher stakes, really, because you don't have best of seven. It's one off games. And you're coaching your team through that. Like, I mean, he, he is used to coaching in that atmosphere. I, I know what you're saying, but I think if he got two games last year and he comes in this year and now say you have a guy like Al Horford, who they, and part of it, maybe bigger than the coach was, they didn't have a guy on that roster who had real playoff winning experience. Like Al Horford has been to a lot of playoffs. Been the postseason every year. Uh, Maybe the entirety of his career. Maybe not. The, I I think it is. I I think it really is. That's that would right. seem about right. If if he ever missed it, it would have been his first season. And, oh, and obviously with injuries too. Yeah. Okay. Um. But but even at, uh, even at that, he's he played in every because the season he missed entirely, he actually came back to miss two clutch free throws against the Celtics for the Hawks to lose the series. So I don't know if I want the Celtics. I think there's also an element, and 
this is going to be tricky because okay you kind of get this everywhere um i think this is definitely something that factors in for toronto but i think it's underestimated in a boston sense is the home crowd advantage the boston garden is pretty loud and raucous for a young team like the bucks in the playoffs yeah that's that's my one kind of fear with that too is say a slow start which the books are more than capable of we've seen it at different times in the season if the garden got going and say isaiah thomas got hot early on i don't know how much a lot of that other stuff matters i don't disagree with you in terms of how easy it is to exploit him um i think even like the challenge they have with every matchup they're going to face in the playoffs and um, whether the Celtics go out in the first round or they go to the finals, win a championship, every single matchup they'd have. The problem is, where do you hide Isaiah Thomas? There are teams where that's tougher than it is with the Bucks. But still, I mean, Malcolm Brogdon and Delhi, they're, they're not great matchups for him in any way. Even I mean, any point guard, you're going to trouble him with size. He has a quickness advantage. It really depends on just what you let him and you let his teammates do, though. He, he, I don't feel he's impossible to shut down. And there is always that element of, okay, even when he's got it going, you could get more points off of him on the other end. So I agree with you on that. He's, he is di- still dead last, 460th in the NBA in defensive real plus minus. I know being his height doesn't exactly help him in that particular Stats of the things that are calculated with that. It doesn't really bode well, but that is that is certifiably bad. Um, yeah. Like, there, there isn't really anything to gloss over on that. So, yeah, I think there is. Like, what I'll say now, because there's no point in me kind of going through each of these and playing a game one by one, there is no team I currently fear for the books. Not one team. Like, I'm not... The, the books aren't going into this as we're like... Yeah, well, you know, they're gonna they're gonna make a run. Uh but there is there isn't a team right now that I don't think they could really give a scare to, and the one thing maybe we've seen recently is that if this books team does get kind of rolling and gets confident, they can do things. And the biggest part of all of this for me, once again, I don't wanna kind of allude to this without full on saying it throughout all of it, so I'll get out there now. Giannis is just so good. Giannis is for example, a series with the Celtics, Giannis is the best player on the floor. A series with the Raptors, I think Giannis is the best player on the floor. Mm. A series with the Wizards, the way John Wall is playing right now, I think that's tough. But he's right there. It's not like you're going... <laughs> like that. That's something that... That's very different for the books. It's very different for books fans. That's something to kind of... I don't know. That takes time to wrap your head around. I don't even quite understand that. Like, even in in my years of playoff adventures watching the Hawks, I don't know how often I would have said, oh, yeah, I'm in this position where they have the best player on the floor. The books have that. And I think that's a real advantage in the playoffs. Um, and you can say, okay, well, one guy is easier to nullify. But you just kind of can't let Giannis go get his own and hope everything else falls apart in the playoffs. The teams are going to give him extra attention. And then that creates a case of, well, can your guys hit their shots? Bucks are a good three-point shooting team this year. Like, by the numbers, by the ranks, they're a good three-point shooting team. 
I think there are real opportunities here. Um, if you had asked me throughout the season, I would have said Celtics and the Wizards were the two teams that I felt nothing to fear. On the whole, books could but go But fear out. itself. Yeah, that's very true. <laughs> but you look at it right now. What are the Raptors going to be? When is Kyle Lowry going to be back? And what exactly is he going to look like? And even though they got over that hump last year, I mean, they were, it was not a convinced... Those series wins or They've never series been convincing victories. in the playoffs. That's it. Yeah. Um, what are the Cavs going to be like? And why the Cavs are actually interesting... Everyone's saying the defense is going to fix itself. You know, playoffs, LeBron's just going to... But we've talked about this. The Bucks have good things going for them offensively, and they can do nice things. Their defense has improved, and that kind of gets to a place where you're going, well, what if you can nullify that? What if you can make it fun? And that's the sort of thing, you know what, you get... One of the first three games, or you, you have it all tied up at two apiece through four, and then you've kind of got just a weird thing going on. None of this is saying the Bucks will win any of these series. There's just none of these teams right now that are scaring me. Like, the Cavs is the one that really... you just got to feel, well, that's not that's not possible. But then yeah. we can only go off what the Cavs are showing us right now. You know, until it's different, they could reach the playoffs game one, turn it on, and we'll... I'll hold our hands up and go, okay, that really was a regular season thing. The defending <laughs> champions are here. Uh, let's pack our bags. This is over. But right now, they're not showing that, and you kind of have to trust in it. What do you think the biggest matchup advantage with the Celtics, before we move on from them? What do you think the books have that's really going to kill them? I mean... Yanis, how do they stop Yanis? You're probably looking at Jay Crowder. Yeah. For Middleton, undersized, but I would kind of expect Avery Bradley to be on Middleton. Yeah. Either, I, I mean, there's, there's advantages for the books in both of them because Middleton will have a size advantage. He could try to, say, post him up. He should be able to shoot over him relatively easily. Uh, Jay Crowder is a really good defender, but Giannis is still going to have the better of him. Yeah. But I do feel they are two of their stronger defensive matchups that they could have there. Even with Giannis, another one that I think you'd see, or at least if Brad Stevens is as smart as he seems to be, is they'd switch Horford over onto Giannis at times, um, which Horford has done very effectively, particularly in the playoffs when things slowed down before. He has done it on LeBron, and he doesn't really look out of his depth. So I think... That could be something. He has good lateral quickness and obviously has the strength and size to kind of slow someone like Giannis down. I think the bigger question, though, and I agree with you on that, obviously. Uh, I, I'm interested to see how he does against a guy like Monroe. Horford? I think that, yeah. Or any of their bigs. I mean, really, like Kelly Olenek, Tyler Zeller could be in and out. Who knows? Amir Johnson, like that's Monroe. Honestly, could have a huge playoff series against them. I think that is we it, we you know we we're quick to talk about Giannis and Middleton for obvious reasons, but Middleton or Middleton Monroe is a guy where if he some of his best games have come in a Bucks uniform has have come against the Celtics, and obviously they're some of that was how they're currently constructed. Now and a lot of it was when you know without Al Horford and all that stuff, but I just think a guy like Al Horford could ease of as we have seen in the past, 
you kind of give a, like a bruiser type guy like Monroe is. That could go to Monroe's advantage, at least offensively. I don't know about defensively, but offensively. No, I, I, don't, I don't think defensively it's his advantage. I honestly, I I don't think it is offensively. I think where what matters is, which is always the Al Horford question, does he get the rebounds? Can, yeah. can Monroe grab the rebounds? Because it comes to second chances. I, Al Horford is a very strong, solid defender. Kind of much more so than he looked. He's really great in the positional sense. What matters is, if you miss the first one, which let's be honest, Monroe often misses the first one, is he going to be strong enough? Is he going to want it enough to kind of out-hustle him and get the rebound? Because it's when you get that second one that it's either an easy putback or you get fouled and you go to the free throw line and they're the things that matter. And even that would be something like you'd want Monroe to go pretty aggressively and test that kind of strength difference or size differential because where it would really get interesting is if you're, if you're doubting what they'd be like with Horford guarding him. If Horford was to get in foul trouble, it's there for Monroe to feast. Mm -hmm. I say that though, and I can't really say that without having concern over what the books have at center. Because particularly yeah. with even with whatever his minor tum injury John Henson has, it's been shown. Give Spencer Hawes real minutes, and it is just it is a disaster. That guy should it's be not good. he should be tied to the bench. I honestly think Ton is more effective defensively. It's it makes more sense. At least he's going to kind of move frantically enough that he has a chance of influencing a shot or kind of putting Putting his opponent off their shot. Seriously, it, Spencer Hawes is Chris Copeland 2.0 watching there. It's, there, oh. was, there was one sequence. Uh, At least he's hitting some threes, though. That is like. So, I'm defending him over Chris so Copeland. So far into clutching straws. I mean, Chris Copeland maybe hit some trees if we're talking about that. It's, mm. It really isn't good. I, I honestly, I just. Don't think that's in any way feasible. And hence then, I know people have kind of, I was going to say recently, um, rained on hence. That would be inaccurate. Have constantly rained on Henson for years. Henson has played relatively well of late. Um, yeah. But even if he hadn't, if the decision is you're in the playoffs, you put John Henson out there, you put Spencer Hawes out there, there is no decision to be made. You're putting John Henson out there. So, there's there's interesting kind of, there's places where that series swings. I think guys who are interesting in a series like that one are... I have, sorry, I have to interrupt. Go on. I have to interrupt. Chris Copeland made 10 threes for the Bucks last year. Spencer Hawes has already made four. <laughs> you would say already made four, as if he's going to get the 10. He's going, oh, how dare you. You know he's not going to get the 10. This is okay. New game, new game. This is being instituted right now. He, I'm going to bet. I'm going to say Spencer Hawes at least ties Chris Copeland's ten main three pointers from last year. Yeah, I don't think that's going to come close. Mm. Like the books have things to play for Jordan. Um, I mean, speedy recovery, John Henson, because 
I, you even, you admitted, I expected straight away some sort of, there's no defending. I mean, much like Spencer Hall's on the court, there is no defending Spencer Hall's defending. Yeah. Yeah, I, it, he should have gotten the lasso, not to say what I said before during the game, but yeah, it was, it was egregious. I do think his hair is like Medusa, and the fact that he turns to stone when he's playing defensively—that <laughs> was good. I've never heard myself one. Wow, you really enjoyed that. I'm glad someone did. I haven't thought of. I just thought about that as we we're talking. Uh, it was a brief snapshot into the inner workings of Jordan Trasky's mind. I think this mm-hmm. series could be decided on matchups like, say. Not even matchups. Guys like Mertzladovic and Jonas Jarebko. You know what I mean? If there is an element of we're talking Horford versus Monroe, Jay Crowder, Giannis, Avery Bradley, Chris Middleton. I think, okay, in that scenario, Isaiah Thomas is a big plus for the Celtics if they could find some way to hide him defensively. That's tough, though, and it's going to leave you with guys who can kind of just be passable on both ends, and that's where you get kind of the Euro stretch four shoot-off between Drebko and Toledovic. I want some playoff tally. Give me it. I, I think that's, that's when he'll shine. That is when he'll shine. Um, Or, honestly, even if it's not when he shines, if it's when he shoots 0 for 25, I don't think he'll ever be more important to have him on the floor and have teams just think about covering him then in the especially playoffs. if they go small yeah I, I do have percent. an issue recently um, it, was, it was the Hawks game actually where Tledovic had a spell where I think he he had a nice spell I want to say and he was coming out for Yanis to come back in I just kind of felt like well this is counterproductive putting the two of them out there is Sort of like game over. You can really open up a game in a hurry with the two of them there because he tell he gets all the space that if he gets three point opportunities, they're the best three point opportunities he's gonna get. And even if he's drawing the attention, then you're giving Yanis all the space to drive to the rim, and within ninety seconds you could run off an eight to ten hour run. So I I don't like when we don't get to see those two guys out there much together so with Jabari's injury that has become their both power forwards in the rotation I guess with Beasley's as well they don't have the luxury of playing the two of them together all that often but yeah I guess the way to do that would be some small ball and against the Celtics really that would be the way they should go yeah definitely again if we're talking about say if Henson I mean, it's a mind. It's like a tum sprain. It shouldn't be a problem. But if there was some sort of issue again, and we're looking at giving Spencer Hawes playoff minutes or ton extended minutes, uh, I'd be voting for some from for some Yana Center. That would be my vote. Yeah. yeah. Moving on from the Celtics, I want to go to the Wizards. If you had to give me one potential series that I felt gave the books the best chance of advancing to second round, I'm picking the Wizards. Why? Why? I don't understand. Why? Why? I think they're the most liable to crumble in the playoffs. Hmm. If you if you won, 
If you won game one against the Wizards, I think it's honestly there for you and it's there for you in a hurry. And it's not like it hasn't happened before. I just kind of... I don't doubt the talent of their players. But I have question marks over how they deal with adversity. Is this because they said the thing about Giannis? No. I mean, that, that that's an element of this that would be a lot of fun. Um, I'd love to see the series for that reason, because they did all their talking because Giannis was going for a career high. I'd love that. <laughs> uh, but I, I don't. I think... We've seen this before with the Wizards. The Wizards are... I mean, like, honestly, think of the guys on the roster. They're not the strongest mentally, or they're at least a little bit... They are combustible personalities. Yeah, that's true. I, I just think it, that they're very different to any other team. Because, say, Celtics are a good example, right? So, say, I was going to say, if a series with the Celtics got chippy, it would, because that's every team the Celtics play. That's what happens. I feel those guys are still fully aware of what they're doing or they're in control of it. Um, like if someone like Jay Crowder wants to make it that way, if Isaiah Thomas wants to make something that way, they know what they're doing. They're playing the game. And for that reason, they're often controlling it. I mean, if Markeith Morris gets into something, I even think Wall and Beal, I mean, if things don't go well, there's potential between them themselves. Like that's another old story. Marcin Gortat is a very good center. He's not going to strike fear into my heart in any way. Uh, the big wild card is, does Otto Porter disappear or does Otto Porter come out and like average 25 and 10 for the playoffs? And both are entirely possible. So you could get the Wizards and it could be over in four games because of Otto Porter. Um, or you could be a no-show and then it's over quick the other way. I just feel there is a very kind of wide open range of possibilities that was a team that they were supposed to be there last year uh, this is going to sound familiar so bear with me supposed to be there last year it all went wrong they come back this year stronger than expected I, I just I'm not entirely sure how they'll deal with it because they will have ex expectations on them Wizards play the books Wizards are expected to win Wizards are expected to go on and give the Cavs or Celtics a real series like they're a team who they should be at least going seven games in round two, if not getting to a conference finals. So I don't know if they're prepared for that. Oh, look, there's also question marks over Scotty Brooks as a playoff coach. I'm not commenting on the yeah. coach that we happen to be riding into battle with, but there are questions of Scotty Brooks in that scenario. I, I just think there is real potential for the Bucks to exploit the Wizards. All valid points. All very valid points. What's your big concern with this one? What is the thing? Is it John Wall? Is it John Wall against Delia Brogdon? I don't know. Well, that is, that. <laughs> that is, if it's not top, it's like 1B. I just think uh, it's kind of weird. They are very, they're kind of a very similar, kind of a very, very similar team in like how it's like set up. If you just kind of, Think of them as not like position wise, but just like terms of talent. Giannis and Wall are kind of on the same, you know, Middleton level. Beale. Middleton Beal, they kind of have that weird, like you said, like Gortat's a really good center. 
and I agree with you, but he also is, has it's like that. He's like Monroe has. Yeah, exactly. And Otto Porter is kind of like a more, uh, I guess, idealized version of Tony Snell. That makes sense. Like if you, a very, kind of, I think a very idealized version, but yeah. Yeah. And even like their bench guys, like, well, uh, I guess. Oh, yeah, Bogdanovich would scare you. Yeah, I I honestly could see him having I could honestly see him having a thirty point game in a playoff series. I think he he would. Yeah, I, I the, the Bucks don't have, that is where like that could like comparison uh, stops because the Bucks have nothing like uh, a bullion. Hey, you now the Bucks have their own Eastern European gunner, Jordan. Don't you forget that. Well, it, it, that's true, but, but in the They would the need sense the very of, best Mirza game ever to probably... Which I will, I'm... You're I'm, ready for, I mean, you're here for that, but... Yeah, I, I see that. I I mean, the Otto Porter on Yanis thing is interesting, because in terms of physical attributes, he should be one of the better matchups to kind of... Quiet and Giannis defensively in the league, but as we've kind of seen, that hasn't really transpired. I, I there's just nothing really I fear in the Wizards because I think for all of the good things they have going for them, they could just undo it all so quickly. I think they get in their own head. Look at the funeral game and stuff like that. Look at Giannis and the career high. They just go to make things out when they don't need to make them, and I feel they're always just kind of a few minutes away from making an issue they didn't need to make and having everything fall apart because of it. And it's, it's not really a reflection on their basketball abilities or their collective talent. It's more the personality of that team. Yeah. It's funny because they were they were so bad last year, relative to expectations, I guess. Um, I would fear that team more now if, say, Jared Dudley was still there. Just because... If, if Jason Terry was on that team, you know what I'm saying? I just think they have a certain kind of personalities who, when things are going well, you can call them leaders and you say, well, look at these guys. How could we possibly? But the moment something goes wrong, and let's be honest, like, I mean, with, even at their best with all of these teams, Cavs aside, the books have enough that the books at their best can go right toe to toe. Like, it's, it's not beyond the realm of possibility that the Bucks sneak a game one out against any of these teams. And it's in that kind of scenario you, have to, you think, well, which team is going to deal with that well? I just think no one will deal with it worse than them. Yeah, I, I don't know. I just... This, at the... Even, like, I, I, uh, I agree with everything you said, but, like, Bucks still lost them three times this year. The only game that they won was the... Okay. The honest, exp- yeah, yeah. There is there is one element of this series I do have a problem with is that games with the Wizards are generally the ones where I message you midway through and just go, I can't do this anymore, Jordan. I can't do it. Um, <laughs> it would not be. I don't think grim. it would be that entertaining either. I mean, if we're talking about that, like we talked about it before. I think Plus the books, two, they're, books they're, have a good chance going... of getting. Books have a good chance of getting like a real national television series, except for if they get the Wizards. Oh, maybe the Raptors too. I think like Or Atlanta if that ever would happen. Well, I think I think Giannis currency I think is pretty strong that against a big market team 
like for example with the Hawks and the Pacers going to be in another one of the matchups with these teams yeah. the networks are going to go okay will we go good team against Giannis or good team against uh, the Tim Hardaway Jr. show and the <laughs> CJ Miles show and stuff like that it's, it's a no brainer I just yeah I, I, I like that particular matchup I, I, mm, mm. I, Jordan, give me anyone, any one of these teams. I'll, I'll take the Bucks' chances. I honestly, I, th- I think they can really put a scare into someone. There's something that really, where this comes from, right? <laughs> so you remember like a, a month, you remember a month ago, right? When, <laughs> when I completely wrote this team off. Yeah, well, I was everything well, else. Yeah, you were there too. But as always, for go- for better or worse, I'm much louder about these things. So no one remember you quietly agreeing as I go off on a rant about it. Code. But yes, at that time, my big concern why I thought the season was over was I didn't believe the books had it in them to get hot, stay hot, stay out of their own way, go on the kind of confident run that they've gone on. Before the Bulls game, uh, Sunday, today, as we record. The Bucks had the second best record in the NBA for the last 15 games. Only the San Antonio Spurs had a better record. I didn't see that coming. I didn't believe it was possible. Now I know it's possible. I'll, no, really, now I know it's possible. Uh, I look at Yannis. And they're going to pivot the other way. I look at Chris Middleton alongside him. And I say, you know what? It takes one game. It literally takes one game, and if this team gets confident, if this team plays well in game one, insert Kevin Garnett's iconic phrase here. Yeah. I see in your face, you are not a believer of that. Yeah. (laughs) That's probably wise of you, but here I am. I've done it again. I've been... You want to be rocked like a hurricane. I've been sucked right back in. Yep. Just when I thought I was out, Jordan. (laughs) <laughs> you're pulled back in you didn't need to finish it I'm, I mean I, I feel our listeners are pop culture savvy enough that you know they would have got it but hashtag you've done it now Jordan we'll move on to the team who I mean if, if circumstances were different I would have probably most wanted to avoid I've actually said this earlier in the season that there would be no point the books ever playing the Raptors in a playoff series because it would just be a sweep. It would be, let's all go home. I think Kyle Lowry got injured and we've already seen the books beat the Raptors without Kyle Lowry. And it just it, it just so happened to be when Spencer Hawes exploded. Oh, that, that's enough of that now. That's enough <laughs> of that. <laughs> Kyle Lowry seems to still be a little bit away. The Raptors are staying very, very quiet on it. Um, I saw it reported yesterday that he was seen at a practice getting shots up left-handed, as if that was supposed to be encouraging for a right-handed player. Um, I'll take left-handed Kyle Lowry in the playoffs. I'd be happy if the Bucs had that chance. I'm I'm wondering if he'll even be back. I, I expect him to be back, but the question is, more whether he should be back and it seems to me like that could be a no right now so we might be looking at an injured Kyle Lowry in the first round and that's interesting enough as is 
But think of what Kyle Lowry was like in the playoffs last year, particularly early on. Can you remember, yeah. Jordan? You look vacant. He was bad. It took yeah. him a while. He got going, and um, but it was not good. They just got through that first round series with the Pacers. Yeah, and the Heat one was not. I remember the the game seven was kind of a convincing game seven, but the whole series itself was not. Yeah. Really. I mean, going to seven games with that Heat team really doesn't say a lot. Yeah. I'm not a DeMar DeRozan lover. I don't. Nor a fighter. Well, speak for yourself. I just, there's not a lot that scares me in this one. If Kyle Lowry isn't fully healthy. I think the the thing the Raptors really have over the books is just their collective output as a unit. And I think any one cog missing from that unit and the door is open. Yeah, that's true. I mean, having Milton back kind of negates DeMar DeRozan having crazy games uh, as he was like having earlier in the season. Um, Yeah, I mean, he had, I know he had an injury last playoff series, or last year, I should say. Um, But again, it wasn't convincing. He's, a lot of his game just doesn't translate to the playoffs. I mean, he's he's predicated on getting to the line and hitting mid-range shots, and you're going to be able to game plan that far better in a, uh, in a playoff series than a regular season. Well, it's very, very simply, he's not getting to the line as much. Like that's yeah. I, I, I know we'll talk about pace slowing down and different things like that. I mean, if, if there was only one thing you were to say that's certain in the playoffs is that the refs are going to kind of hold the whistles a little bit more. You're not going to have the free throws that you're going to get in the regular season. It's it's an interesting one. I don't know. Does... Would you be worried about Giannis in this series? I don't, I don't think they have any one guy who can fully contain him. Um, maybe they have guys who could have in their prime, but I feel they're all post-prime now. But... Are they well-equipped for this series, Toronto, in having the option to, say, split minutes between a Damari Carroll and a P.J. Tucker? Or even Serge, too. We've seen, I know, I, we saw that earlier in the season, though, didn't we? The, I think it was the Magic tried to do that, and Giannis absolutely ripped them apart. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't think he is, it, like... I agree. I don't think they're they're not... Yeah, I think they could easily be. It's it's not going to be a piece of cake. Is there thing. something though to even with a shortened rotation? Say they're not the Celtics, where say the Celtics, we could say, oh well, Jay Crowder is a solid guy to try and match up with him, or um, Otto Porter is a solid guy to try and match up with him, maybe for the Wizards. But in both those cases, you're kind of okay, even if it's for limited minutes. When those guys sit, what do they do then? Yeah. Is there something just to the Raptors being able to have two guys who at least have the right length to bottom are very much sort of gritty defensive mindset kind of guys? Is there something to just knowing, okay, 48 minutes, we don't have to worry about not having a specialist to put on Giannis. 
even if it's not, say, the Damari Carl of three years ago, who really might have caused Giannis problems, or even the PJ Tucker of two years ago, they're both good defenders, very capable players who at least have the tools to bother him. Or you put the two of them out there together, and I mean, you want to put one on Chris Middleton, one on Giannis, that is a different look. They have some things going on with that potentially that are different from some of the other teams. Yeah, I agree with that. Like, it's it's just hard. It's It would be hard for them to do that over how long, you know, Giannis plays, whether it's like 48 minutes or 40, you know, 44 minutes, whatever, whatever it is. But, yeah, I would say out of the top four teams uh, in the East right now, if you look at their wings and try to, like, you know, do matchups, they, I would say they are fourth. Not comfortably, but they are fourth. In, in terms of, like, defensively, if that makes sense. You think they're the worst defensively? I mean, DeRozan strictly, is obviously... I'm just strictly talking about Giannis in terms of matching up with Giannis. Yeah, okay. I, I can see it, but then I I can also kind of make a case completely disagree with it. I, I, if this is the tricky part of this is we're trying to project rotations in how you're going to match up as well. And we have no idea, like less so than ever, of what yeah. kids' playoff rotation would be like. Um, I'm ready for Terrence Jones to play 22 minutes. And Yannis uh, to play 28 minutes. <laughs> yeah. Of course, Spencer Hawes, the full 48. There is something fascinating about it. I don't know. I feel like the books will have to still go deeper in the rotation than most teams. They're, I think they're just going to have to kind of... There are certain things they'll have to do, but they'll just have to... They'll have to tighten up the number of guys who are going out. So you might get shorter stints for your kind of role players. But yeah. I, like a perfect example is Jason Terry. You can't have Jason Terry missing out on minutes. You you need him on the floor in the playoffs. You want him on that floor. You need him on that floor. Yes, Jordan. That's that's really where I was going with that. Is there something if Michael Beasley comes back before oh. the end of the regular season and he does look kind of like himself or like he was before his his knee injury, which was well, maybe a month, five weeks. Yeah, we push it a month. Back. No. Yeah. What does that really do? That kind of scares me a little, and I don't think I think there'd be a big problem for the books if Toledovich was to completely fall out of the rotation. And yet, at the same time, I know something you feel very passionate about at the moment is the books' difficulty to create shots. Michael Beasley is a guy who does not have that problem, so. <laughs> Having him on the floor in those kind of playoff situations, it's it's really it's kind of something you want. I mean, the Rockets even did some of that last year with success. Um. Yeah. I mean, uh, I don't. I don't know. That's the yeah. I is small ball the answer? Is is that the only answer that you go, Yanis at center? Um. I don't know. Cause I don't think I have. Sorry, sorry to cut across you, but just the the one thing on that is that we've probably forgotten by now. Uh, but as much as we liked the idea of it beforehand, before Beasley was the starter when he went down, so That's we right. only we've only got to see Middleton and Snell together in the time since that. So even at that point, kind of 
post Jabari's injury, we weren't looking at Yanis at the four necessarily as kind of that's where he has to be. But if they're playing Snell and Middleton together, Yanis has got to be the four, and that makes things very, very difficult between Beasley and Tlerovic. Yeah, I I don't know. I I mean, I I don't have any numbers in front of me, but I don't think I don't think small ball has really worked for them lately. But then again, a lot of that has come with Spencer Hawes on the floor, and as we said before, he's a Medusa like, uh, or no, no, it's not Medusa. It would be the people who see Medusa. We turn to stone. When we watch Spencer Hawes plays, play, plays as well. I, when I watch Spencer Hawes plays, <laughs> I, I turn to stone. That's true. Yeah. So I don't. I don't know that I. As good as like having you know, like you said or alluded to, having a shot creator like Beasley, who I mean, he's probably the third best shot creator on. The Bucks behind Giannis and Middleton. I don't think that's is that. No, I, I definitely don't think I. There, he's he's a better shot creator than Giannis, but Giannis has the edge there because his physical gifts are superior. But in terms of just pure shot creating, I'm in this situation. This this amount of time is on the clock. I need to make a move to get a shot off. Uh, one on one, a Beasley might be. He might even be the the best. He might really be up there with Middleton. There, yeah. He, he had this knack before he got injured when he was playing some of his best basketball of the season. For just finding space for these kind of jump shots, even late in the clock, without having to fade away or or really... hanging like hanging like it's it's just weird how he does it. I don't under I. Like many things, you don't understand the ways of the bees. Yeah, but what you're describing there is there is this kind of sometimes on his jumper, it's like he can suspend himself in midair for just just long enough so his defender's kind of on the way down when he releases. Yeah. There's there is some real value to that. Uh did like this is not what either of us expected at the start of the season. Like when Beasley that night. We weren't expecting to be talking about how Beasley could, you know, influence the Bucks game in the playoffs. <laughs> uh, that, that was definitely not on the agenda that night. But I think there is that question. Uh, that's an interesting one. I, I really struggle with where the Bucks tighten this rotation. Yeah, I, it's, it's a mystery wrapped in a riddle. I mean, the fact that we have this question about it during the season, uh, playoffs are it's no different. At all. I'm honestly open to some guys getting their minutes cut back. Once it's not Yanis. Like, say, for example, uh, Deli and Brogdon playing less minutes combined. Yeah, that, that needs to stop. I, I'm not a... Uh... Are you talking about them, like, on the floor together or just in general? Maybe both. I, th- I think you can do both. I think you can... Uh, Definitely reduce their minutes together, but I also think you can reduce the overall minutes of those two guys. I mean, the easiest way to do that is by not putting them on the floor together. You're going to cut down. You're you're always going to really need one of them. But I do think 
they can't be afraid to have spells where Middleton plays the two like he like he has done for most of his time with the books. I know we've we've seen a lot more of him at the tree recently. Uh, I suppose him and Snow are interchangeable. Uh, but it feels like he's been more of the tree. I, yeah. I think they've gotta they've gotta go to Snow at the two just to get the other guys they need out there. Or sorry, Middleton at the two, where if you have whichever point guard, Middleton Yanis at the tree, and then you can have say Talatovich or Beasley at the four and Monroe. Um, I you've just you've got to do those kind of things. There's no way around that. The books. This is where going back to when we used to freak out in the off season about the point guard situation and I guess the lack of depth or the imbalances in the roster. This is when it comes into effect because you've got to maximize the amount of time you can get your forwards on the floor because they are your biggest offensive threat in particular. I mean, yeah. I don't think the guards are. I don't even say are a problem. The guards are. If you're looking to grind the game out defensively, um, you're probably better giving more minutes to Brogdon and Delhi and less minutes to Beasley and Teletovic. But you'll feel like more often than not, there are times when the books' offense kind of stutters and stalls, and both of those guys in different ways have the capability to kind of bring something different to it give another really viable threat that the opponents have to take seriously. So even if it's not them who get you back into a game, they're the ones who create the opening for Yanis or Middleton or Monroe even to do that. Yeah. That's one thing I will say that <clears throat> because I do with every every matchup, all four of these teams, and we're we're going to we're going to the Cavs yet too. Monroe really does have a lot going there. I mean, Tristan Thompson has played a lot of minutes. I know that's talked about quite a lot at the moment, and they have their concerns there. Obviously, uh, we could have Larry Sanders <laughs> against the Bucks in that series, and the that at the moment that sounds like it would be a good thing because the Cavs are very adamant he is not anywhere close to game shape. Um, he's not even really playing a whole lot in the D League. They're just trying to get him the maximum amount of practice reps possible. I'm pretty sure. Tyler was quoted yesterday saying he's just out of shape. Like he's he's really far from being in game shape, which we all kind of expected as much as he was saying I've stayed in shape. There is a really big difference between look at me, I'm really in shape as a normal guy and look at me, I'm an NBA player in game yeah. shape. <laughs> so with all of them, there's a chance for Monroe to do something. But what I would like them to see to see them go to, even if it's in short bursts, is kind of lineups that can give you four out options. So if Giannis is playing 42 minutes, if I was the coach, I'd be saying, okay, the six minutes Giannis is on the bench, we're going to have Monroe with four shooters. And we're not going to, we're going to give them a different look, it'll be something completely different, but we're going to make sure that they can't look at those four minutes as respite, because we're basically going to clear out so that we're giving Monroe the best chance to operate down low. And we're also then just giving him the most options as a passer that even if you're going to kick it into him, if a double team comes, well, then he could find the open man and you've got a wide open tree. And that can be, say, Brogdon or Delhi with Jet or Middleton or Snell. Uh, Toledovic, I guess even Beasley, not a dead eye three point shooter, but he, he can make it. 
that's I think that's really something I would like to see them do. They went through a little spell of that, but I'm not sure still if we see enough of that. And I think that's one of the most important elements. I'm not so much worried about, uh, you know. Obviously, we don't. We want Giannis to play a lot of minutes. It's the playoffs, right? This is this is why you worry about the minutes he plays in the regular season because if he's going to do that, the time to be doing that is the playoffs. My bigger thing, though, if I was the coach, would be. Okay, I know what I can get when he's on the floor, but what is my strategy for whatever time he's not on the floor? How do we make sure the game doesn't get away from us in those six minutes? So that if our best player is proving he's a top five player in the league and he's single-handedly putting us in a position to win, I don't want it to be that he comes off the floor and falls apart. And ideally, you want to say, well, you know, how do we take advantage of that? Obviously, that depends on matchup because if you're playing the Cavs, you're probably going to sit Giannis when LeBron sits. Yeah. And they're going to do vice versa. And in that sort of scenario, you're, that's also presenting you an opportunity. So it's like, what are you going to do when he's there? There will be an element to that. He's your best player. The opposing team may sit there, their best player. That is just something I would like to see them experiment with, with their own rotations. We've got sidetracked here a little bit. Um, I was going to do this later. It's all still relevant to We're going to talk a bit about books, rotations, some of the changes. But to get back to just the potential matchups. Cleveland Cavaliers are 5-5 five and five over the last 10 games. Now only half a game ahead of the Celtics for the one seed. Celtics have just taken the lead as we do this over the Heat. So by the time people are listening to this, they could be tied in first place with the Cavaliers. I don't expect them to be bad in the playoffs. I think they will be better. I don't just very much doubt about that. Are you buying into their problems being somewhat real though as into this not being last year's team or them maybe being more vulnerable it yes in some ways i think their depth could be easily uh um you know taken care or taken advantage of i mean you know they they still rely on guys like richard jefferson um I'm blanking on people's names right now. Shane Fry. Iman Shepard, he's not in this, you know, kind of the older category, but he he's kind of an odd player Very where he has – Yeah, he has a, a really good skill set, but consistency has always been kind of his downfall. Former books target, if you remember that. That is true, yeah. That was before that was, Monroe happened, right, that summer? I think it was last summer, was it? I don't know. It was no, 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 it was, it was definitely, yeah, definitely two summers ago. Um, but in the end, I mean, they are, they are like the, I'm going to use this word again, but they are like the idealized version of what we hope the Bucks will become, where Giannis is this LeBron type or archetype where he can, you know, control all areas of the game where, you know, they both have their limitations, more so Giannis and LeBron, or shooting limitations, I mean. Um, but have these guys all around, or, you know, these players all around them that if you complete it all together, it's this, you know, force of an offense. And the Cavs have that. The Bucks don't have that. <laughs> and it's, I don't see it, I don't see another game where, the they the Bucks have this you know uh, dominating performance over them and Giannis has like this coming out party like he did earlier in the season and 
all that stuff. I, I think they could go toe to toe, but I, I think it's more so like the, a Detroit or the Piston series last year compared to I don't know, which was like the most competitive sweep ever. Yeah, it was the mo- yeah exactly. Like that was what was so crazy about that series. Like it, I think they all went to single digits, and they obviously the Pistons lost every game. Like it was just. I, I don't. I don't really see. I understand like the, the the kind of concern at this point now. But I look at where they were last year. It's not honestly. It's not that much different. Obviously, their defense is a bigger question mark than last year, as we are uh, where we are right now. But they were having similar set of problems last year, and they you know obviously got. A ring board. So I feel there is one big difference in that though, and that's the guys that they're relying on they're gonna rely on more guys for important minutes who haven't they're not a long time part of the organization, or they're not even there like the full season to bet in. When you look at what they're gonna need to get from Darren Williams, Kyle Corver, Larry Sanders potentially in the playoffs. That and Derek even, Williams too. Derek Williams as well. That's not something they were really looking at last year. Yeah. I think that is important. That's there's a difference between kind of waiting for your backup point guard to give you something, and like no matter what any books fans might think of Delhi, um, there's a value to you know he was a guy in the Cavs organization for years. He was a guy entrenched in that system at the good times, the bad times, so that when everything did click, and it was always going to be more reliant on other guys clicking than someone like him, things can work out. I know that example is a little bit iffy because Delhi had a bad playoffs last year but you get the idea I'm coming with with that like there is that element to it Um, the fear would be and this comes again as someone who has watched the Hawks be burned by this by the Cavs in recent years as much as the Hawks have been burned by rebounding 3D three point shooting that killed them when they played the Cavs and Kyle Korver makes that very scary that if they did click, like, games could just be over in an instant. You could be going really, really nicely, and then two minutes later, say, what was it? One possession game could be kind of a 12 or 15 point deficit. That is very Warriors-esque, really, if you're looking at other teams in the league with that capability. And I think that is more of an extreme this year than it was last year. I just have this thing again, though, of they're the team that, for everything they have, put them up against the wall and let them feel the pressure. It's that same thing again. If you if game one is their off game, if, if it's just their shots don't fall and you have your best offensive game of the series, if you go up early, everything changes for the Cavs. Everything changes. That's some real pressure. This is the this is the thing for the books, right? That like there's there's no doubt over. Whoever the books play, the books can go in loose, carefree, with a kind of let's prove everyone wrong and make a statement of our intentions. None of their opponents could say the same. There's a, there's yeah. a level of expectation. Yeah, that's true. And that's not always the case for, say, top four teams. But I feel that is the case this year. Maybe that's because there's a sense of vulnerability about the Cavs that, you know, people are saying, well, those other three teams, there could be a chance there for them. 
whatever that is. But I think the Bucks can really go at any one of these teams without a care. And I kind of feel like you only have to catch them once. And with all of these, if the Bucks took the first game, oh boy, that's that's really something that those teams would have to worry about. I think with the Cavs, one that would be magnified, not doubting that they would have more than the necessary tools to come back and win the next four, for example. But, you know, it's a series, right? Yeah. I think you can make it a series easier than than you would have in the past. That defense isn't just going to fix itself. It will be better. It's not just going to fix itself. So yeah. if the books were to play the Cavs, that series comes down to can the books avoid being torched from behind the three-point line like they have all season? And if somehow they find the discipline to do that or they can kind of close the Cavs down, maybe limit some of those opportunities, then it's then it's interesting. If they can't do that, it's not even close. <laughs> yeah, I as yeah. I I don't yeah, I don't I don't want the <laughs> I don't think I just don't think it's I, I, mean, I think it's gonna be Yeah, you don't want them, right? They're they are the it's it's still to the point where when I was looking, I think the NBA account now tweets out every morning like the potential playoff brackets, and when yeah. the Hawks tied or when the books tied with the Hawks and record, and we started thinking fifth seed, I was looking at that and I was going, if the Cavs stay one, I'd kind of rather six, just so that you know, just in case, if the books did somehow have a miraculous first round series. It would be a lot of fun to get to the second round and not have to play the Cavs. That's when like <laughs> we could really get excited about things, which is just completely being ridiculously optimistic and hopeful and setting myself up for soul crushing disappointment. But there is there is still that element of literally just looking at a playoff bracket. If you gave me the option of being in their side of it or not being in their side of it, I would choose to not be on the Cavs side of the draw. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, I agree. I if they get them luck, I think I think the books can play them. I do think they can play them. Um, they are definitely bottom of my list of teams. I would like the books to play. Maybe that's not all that surprising, considering they're the defending champions and they have one of the best players of all time. But I'm gonna go out on that limb and I'm gonna say I would rather not play the Cleveland Cavaliers in the first round. Yeah, really, I will, I, the book shouldn't yeah. have to either. It's worth saying on that. I mean, they've given themselves a chance to finish fifth or sixth. Which, even <laughs> if the Cavs fall, I don't think they're falling to third or fourth. So, I think worse, they're probably going to finish as second. So, if you can come fifth or sixth, you don't have to worry about that in round one. We've talked through them all. Are you still as just apprehensive about it all? Are you not? Are you not with me that there's just? There is a path for a fun series. There's a path for an upset with most of these. It doesn't have to be likely, but there is something there. I, I, I can't... Look, I have to... Again, Yanis is pretty incredible, Jordan. Like, he does some really, really special things. He could win you a game on his own, and if he does that at the right time, the team gets confident, he gets confident. I just... There is there is something about that that's incredibly exciting to me. It's not my I think my hopes aren't as much about looking at the books and going, Wow, this book's team, you know. <laughs> they are 
well drilled and well set up to go and give someone a scare. It's it's very simply, wow, Johannes is really good. And Chris Middleton is back to being the best player no one talks about in the league. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Come on, Jordan, playoff fever. It's time to start catching it. I have playoff fever for entering the playoffs. I don't have... Uh, Sounds like you've got it for exiting the playoffs as well, Jordan. This, this yeah, it's a, I think it's gonna be. I don't. Uh, I just. I don't. I can see it being interesting. I can see it being close, like a, a competitive one. Does it? Is there a Is there room for them to? Is there a scenario where they can make it to the second round? Sure. Yes, but. That's all it matters. Had... Don't don't no. No buts. No, 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 but, you said yes. Is there a scenario? But they've also they also have to play the their books best to best get to the second round. Jordan said yes. So everyone just hang on. Tight. Jordan Tresky says second rounds. Lock oh, it in. Oh. Second round series. Lock it in. That's what Jordan said. <laughs> you know how cautious he is. Really, he probably means conference finals. I think I said all those words so it can't be spliced together. Like it's that. I, arrest, I know some listeners will happily do that. I, I know, know some listeners will do that. It's like that Arrested Development episode where the old guy goes missing. <laughs> With Joe, he's like, I know what you're going to do. You're just going to say, I killed Ir- Earl Milford. <laughs> yeah, when I say listeners, I I mean, I'm not saying that I'm not going to in the edit just jumble Jordan segment together to just say that and move on. Anything else all those in words, terms no. of the books? So, if they get to the playoffs, which, I mean, you have down as a lock. Is there anything that straight away you're saying you're confident is going to change the rotation? Or you're confident is going to change their style? I don't know. Um, style, I, I think I would... Not to comfortably say nothing really is going to change just because they have been so successful. Why mess with a good thing that's, you know, working kind of thing? They're they're not going to volunteer. Have you seen the coach? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, I I don't I I'm not, I'm turned, I'm just thinking of style and play. They're not going to be like, okay, we're going to run it, gun. Ten seconds or less, you know, out of seven. I don't know why I said ten. Uh, or why do you even have like a this guy like had a cigar pipe or you know, rah, that scene, that kind of voice. Anyway, um, yeah, I don't think it turns a style of play rotations. I mean, I have no idea. Again, I don't. Uh, that is the. I, like I, I make a joke about Terrence Jones playing twenty minutes in a you know. In a player in every game of a playoff series, but I mean, he'd be ready by then. He'll know the system. <laughs> Can we also? I, I, ha- we I stop, have to go. Can we stop talking about Terrence Jones? Is that what you're going to say? Let's stop talking about like the idea of Terrence Jones. There are a lot of people. Yeah, a lot that are kind of not caping for it, but they just want to see something they does. Look up Terrence Jones when he came from Kentucky like entering the draft and look up Terrence Jones this year. He's a like different player. He's I, not that player. I don't think that matters. I, I think 
we might have said this a couple of weeks ago. When you look at how well they have done since signing him without him on the floor, we don't want them to mess with that just to get a guy who we don't really know why he's here to begin with into the rotation. Yeah. He's not going to transform things so much that you need to just drop everything we've been doing. That second best record in the NBA over the last 15 games. Forget about that. We need to find Terrence Jones minutes. He's not that guy. I like Terrence Jones. Um, I am often critical of Jason Kidd for things. What I won't criticize him for is when things are rolling, not deciding, let's introduce the guy who we just picked up as a free agent after the trade deadline. Let's not do that. The problem the books have had so often has been, let's just change something for the sake of it. Not doing that is one of the most refreshing things that Jason Kidd has done all year. I'm perfectly happy if Terrence Jones doesn't play a single second for the books the rest of the season. If at the end of the season you said to, will you not question why he was signed? Yes, absolutely I will. But that's a different question to why he hasn't played. Yeah. I, I think that's that's kind of important and that's overlooked. We don't want to just play him just because he's there. This is a team that actually has something to play for. The time for that is gone. This is not the Nets or the Suns where it's just like, oh, well, we've got Terrence Jones now. Let's play him 40 minutes because he's here. No. Kid is doing the right thing with that. He's playing the guys who he's had the most time to work with, um, who he obviously trusts. He believes they know the system as well as anyone. You know what, Terrence Jones probably... Now we've seen that Beasley has missed as long as he has. He was probably just brought in because Toledovich was having such significant struggles, and he, ha- he has been better in the time since that. Jabari was out for the season... They were obviously more nervous than they were originally letting on about Beasley. And even, I guess, with Toledovic, you're kind of, all right, well, if Telly strains a groin and misses a week or two, we have nothing. Um, So maybe he was just brought in as, you know, we could do with some power forward cover just looking at our injury situation. And if that's the case, I mean, that's fine. I... Get Terrence Jones when he's available, right? Don't just get a power forward and go, uh, Terrence Jones is available, but he's too good. We won't get him. You know, if you think there's a chance that maybe your depth will be tested to the limits, get the best power forward that's available so that you hopefully don't feel the brunt of that. I think that's what it did. If he somehow comes into rotation, he does some stuff great. Uh, There is no reason for them to be looking to do that, to go out of their way to do that. Garbage time is fine. There's, there's no real reason to give him meaningful minutes. Yeah. There's also, I think, because um, I know I tweeted about it, I think you quote tweeted on the account, and then I got a couple of tweets back about it. Um, As much as I can't stand seeing Spencer Hawes try to defend, that isn't a reason to give Terrence Jones minutes because Terrence Jones is 6'9 and maybe even 6'8-ish. He's a very undersized power forward. So it's not just like, oh, let's play Terrence Jones for some minutes. he's very slow. He's slow like Spencer Hawes. I'm not going to... Well, you know what? I'm just thinking about this. and he, There's probably no way he would defend centers worse than Spencer Hawes. But that's more of a reflection on Spencer Hawes than it is on Terrence Jones. Mm. 
what I'll give Terence or what I'll give Spencer Hawes is he has a much more pronounced way of which you can utilize him in the offense without necessarily making him a feature. Um, to really get the best out of Terence Jones, you will have to give him the ball and let him do some things. Yeah. Where Spencer Hawes pick and pop threat will create some opportunities. Um, whether that's worth the black hole that it creates on defense is a different question. But basically where I'm going with this, they're not interchangeable. You can't just say Spencer Hawes is being awful. Let's talk about Terrence Jones replacing him. That doesn't work. Black Hawes, son, won't you come and, and wash away the three... I don't know. God, you, I mean, you could have just gone with the real lyrics. Too, <laughs> I, and I mean, I would have been perfectly. I, I was enjoying that one more than most of your puns. So I'll be honest. <laughs> um, I'm here for Jordan Soundgarden puns, but yeah. Remember, remember when I, I wrote about this a couple of weeks or a couple of weeks, a couple of days ago. Uh, he's the needle in the haystack that the Bucks were looking for. When did you write that? Was I not editing that? That must have. I must have been on that day. No, no, no. It was. It was during the Kings game because he was. Oh, you tweeted it. You tweeted it. Yes, I did. Oh, okay. Forty. I don't get. I don't get the autonomy to edit Jordan's tweets. Not yet. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> what we'll do? We'll move on from the playoffs for now. Um. I'll say hopefully we'll be talking about this again. If not, this is going to be the saddest podcast we've ever recorded. Again, so, I will bring it on if if a truly disastrous slide comes our way the next couple of weeks. Yeah, less said about that, the better. Let's move on to predictions. Before we get started, I mean, we're nearly true. It's, time is winding down. We better go through this leaderboard. First place, 44 and 29 with an 806 point differential is Lucas Harkins. Lucas was the only staff member to pick the Bulls today. Um, instead of congratulations, I think I think you should all boo Lucas. Boo this man. Yeah. <laughs> um, in second place, Adam Kaufman, 42 and 31, a 48 point differential. Third place, Ty Windish, 41 and 32 with an 867 differential. In a tie for fourth, Rowan Caddy and myself, 40 33. 921 point differential for Rowan, 992 for me. Tom Feister, 39 and 34, 936 point differential. Tim Ray, 38 and 35, 824 point differential. Tim is good at getting the scores close, just at not at picking the winner. I think that's, <laughs> Tim is always within a few points as differential. He's the second best differential, the second worst record. That's unfortunate. Someone who is not good at picking either the scores or the outcomes is Jordan Tresky. 36 and 37. We're now counting down. And Jordan is threatening a below 500 record. 1,021 point differential. The first man over 1,000. I'm not far behind. 
I have four more wins than Jordan. What have you got to say for yourself, Jordan? Well, this is a, a proud honor. I'd like to thank the Academy. I'd like to thank my fans, my my family. There are a lot of there are a lot of fans. Yeah. A lot of fans. And they're all going to wish you a happy birthday at Jordan Tresky. Or you can contact me for Jordan's email. Um, <laughs> I, I can also, if anyone sends Jordan gifts, I'll happily give out his home address. So mm. get in touch with me. We could send gifts to Jordan for his birthday. He will wholeheartedly appreciate them. Uh, don't even say that. I know what you're going to say. But be careful, Jordan. You may just give away too much. Yeah. We don't want to chili pepper it. The first like a segment to me. this week <laughs> comes against the Charlotte Hornets on the road on Tuesday. Tuesday night. T- Tuesday. What's your prediction, Ron? Um, hmm. They haven't played the Hornets since the opening game. Is that correct? That sounds right. I don't think they have to play them twice still. Oh, they do. Oh, you're right. Wow. Yeah. Strange. Very strange. Yeah, I'm going to... Strange them, the Celtics, um, that they've got... They might play about once this late in the season. Sorry, Jordan. Mm-hmm. You were about to, oh, about to vault into your prediction there. Uh, I, I'm going to say uh, it's going to be a comfortable win. Comfortable. How does that reflect in the score? And Bucks by 11. Who is this man and what has he done with Jordan Tresky? He's a lock for the playoffs. He's expecting them to make the second round. Bucks by 11. No, uh... um, I'm going to go... <laughs> I'll go Bucks by six. Hornets have problems. Um, would I be surprised if that was another one they the Bucks lost? Mm. Not particularly because Steve Clifford is still a good coach. But I think the Bucks should be in a better spot. That game will tell us a lot, really. That game will tell us whether we're thinking five or six seed or if we're going to have... A run in of eight games where it's like, hang on for dear life because we're gonna make this as difficult as possible. D E E R. Yes, I didn't. How could I mean it any other way? Uh, you've often talked about well, what we'll really find out now about what this team is like is when they when they come up against adversity. That's when we'll know if Jason Kidd will do mind blowingly insane things with his rotation. Start Terrence Jones at the two or something like that. Um, start Rashad Vaughn at the two. Let's be honest, that would be much more the same. We'll find out if they were to lose another one. Two in a row, then we get to see, well, what is their mentality really like? Um, has Jason Kidd learned anything? Let's. We both predicted wins, though, so let's forget about that. Let's not worry about that. Wednesday, second night of a back-to-back into Boston to play the Celtics. They're shipping up to Boston. Uh, hey, oh, no, no, I'm not doing it. Go on, Jordan. Uh, mm, I want to say Bucks just because I want my I want 
<laughs> Boston prediction to be proven correctly. But I will say the Celtics by seven. I'm going to go Celtics by 14. Mm-hmm. I think Jordan wanted... You multiplied it by two. I think Jordan wanted to go bigger, but... He's trying to save face with his prediction, so he's keeping it at seven as if, you know, second game back-to-back, they will lose. But, you know, they've got the Celtics number. It'll only be seven. I see it in his eyes. On Friday, then. Bucks are back home. And they face the Pistons. Final game of the season with the Pistons. With the season series currently 2-1 in Milwaukee's favor. But the way the Pistons are going, I'm not quite so sure tiebreakers are going to matter. But just in case, it is one that they will want to win and seal that one off. Bucks by 20. Whoa. Jordan is not planning on helping his point differential between now and the end of the season. So Jordan's gunning for 2,000. I know books by four. Hmm. I mean, I don't know if you've watched recently. These wins have been close wins. Yeah. The, the Nets just blew out the Hawks. The books made hard work of the Hawks. It was a testament to them, and this is really the most impressive thing about the recent is they've just been winning these games. That's why when the Bulls kind of did what they did in this occasion, it was like. <laughs> Well, okay, they're not gonna forever just kind of grind out these wins that would make them like a championship contender. They are not that right now. Um so I wasn't surprised, but when was the last blowout? Win? Kings, I suppose. Yeah, that was pretty yeah. There's a lot though, even when they're they've been comfortable and it's kind of got I mean, Lakers game is a good example. Games like that where it was comfortable, it got a little closer, and then they had to kind of just hang on and get through it. There's been a lot of... Hawks, I mean, that was like that for a little bit, too. Well, I mean, that was like that in the first quarter, they were in control. And then, really, it was just a sliding scale of the Hawks are going to win this until the Bucks actually won it. On Sunday, another Sunday matinee game, um, which did not serve the Bucks particularly well this week, the Mavericks. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> At home, correct? At home. At home. Hmm. Yeah, I'm gonna go. 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 Uh, bucks by eight. <laughs> I'm glad we're all starting to wonder where you were going. So, um. <laughs> I'm going to go Mavs by six. Yeah. I, I think the biggest that. lesson, I, I was kind of with them, I was actually like this last season, I think when we talked with the Mavericks, biggest lesson anyone should take away from this year is if you've got a, like a great coach, things just end up better than they're supposed to be. And that's really what the Mavs and the Heat have done this year. It's like, okay, the Mavs yeah. are missing the playoffs, but they're 10th at the moment. I think they've got 31 wins. I mean, that's really better than they should be. That's better than their collective talent. 
They also had a lot of injuries, too. Yeah, a lot of which, injuries. Yeah. If you've got Rick Carlisle or you've got Eric Spolstra, uh, you are going to outperform your collective talent. Yeah. That much is true. That would really that is be deep nice, and true. It'd be a nice thing to have, wouldn't it? Yes. Why are you taking so long to answer that? I mean, as if Rick Carlisle wouldn't be wouldn't be nice to have as a coach. Richard Carlisle. Time for the mailbag. The first one from a Jay Gray fan. Probably covered some of this already. I'm sure Jordan has some more insight. Buried deep inside. I'm waiting to come out of this though. How do you see Bees fitting with his team when he comes back from injury? Like a glove. Now, <laughs> I was going to make glove jokes, which you'll probably appreciate, but maybe I shouldn't do that. Do you really see him fitting like a glove? Yeah. Is this an ill-fitting glove, maybe? To uh, kind of... I would say it's like a... I'm not. I'm... Would he leave one glove in one place and another glove in another place? I'm, I'm trying to think of where you're going with this. One. Oh. I don't go down that path at all. I I think of it as a. Don't know what you're talking about. Um... Do, do you see this as a The glove is it's a doctor's glove. You think it's not uh, very comfortable. Has he just stolen like, it off the trainer? Is it, what's up with there? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Borrowed. Scott. Borrowed. I don't want to. Yeah, yeah. That stole. Besmirch his um, character like that. He's, maybe he's wearing a mink stole. But uh, you think of a doctor's glove, it's not very comfortable, but by God, it just gets the job done. And that's what Beasley does. That's that's a very uncomfortable <laughs> selling. I don't know. Um, yeah, yeah just, we'll, I, we'll move on. Yeah. Thanks for that, Jordan. <laughs> From at Alex underscore Koenig 023. My God. Um, now that Brogdon has gotten a little national attention, what are the odds he wins Rookie of the Year? Um, in, do I, is this my fan... No, Prediction this, or this is like in reality? Um, odds 30%. Uh, it's zero. Okay, zero. Really, there's there's no chance. Um, Saric, I, I think I saw it the other day, he's averaging something like 27 and 5 for his last 25 games or something probably basically since a bead has gone down no one really I mean listen to different NBA podcasts people might like Brogdon or be like oh Brogdon's good it's, yeah there's always no one actually no one actually is giving it serious consideration my thing like you say to people is even the smart people who I would hope would be able to see how the case is perfectly valid how he might actually be the rookie of the year. They are not seeing it that way. So there is just no hope on this, really. Saric is going to win rookie of the year. Yeah. Yeah, everybody says it the same way. It's like, I really like Malcolm Brogdon. I think he's a good player. I think he's a good rookie. But he just doesn't have... It's not 
he's not on the level of Sarich's production. No matter you can make the argument for a better team, all that stuff, you blah 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 impact like that, but it's that's not how that award has ever been like, you know, decided. Yeah, you know I mean. Yeah, I mean, for all uh, for all the smart stuff out there about Brogdon, which I say for all, I mean, I'm guessing Alex is alluding to uh, Mark Spears' undefeated piece on him this week. For all of that, there's an endless swathe of idiotic ramblings about why Brogdon doesn't deserve consideration and why it has to be a sixer. I mean... I don't need to say it wouldn't. It wouldn't take too much imagination, Jordan, to find the kind of destinations you'd find these pieces on. But whenever you see a dumb take, I often feel like you know what? That could be the one. That could be the one that's most widely held. There's always in these awards votings, right? There's weird. I mean, we're probably lucky um, from a book's perspective. Like, a lot of the people who get these votes, obviously, okay, you'll have um, journalists, national journalists, people will think of, I guess, like your Zach Lowe types. Uh, they're not always necessarily the problem, even if in this case they still won't probably give Malcolm Brogdon Rookie of the Year vote. Where things get really dicey and where you even get weird MVP selections is when all the local broadcast teams come into it. And trust me, um, not every local broadcast team is like, say, like Jim Paschke would be with his vote for the books. I mean, there's not going to be that level of thought or integrity going into it. And I will, I'm 100% certain some of the people who will vote will never have heard of Malcolm Brogdon. This is, this is the level that you get on votes in some years. Dario Saric is... The guy who, when they go to their research, who's got the gaudiest looking numbers, who's got done the most recently, they will see Dario Saric and they will all choose to ignore the fact that he will be on vacation by the time they're voting while Michael Brogdon will be in the playoffs. So I, I think, look, we did this in greater detail last week. I think it's really unfortunate. I think of any of the books... I mean, Giannis for most improved is right there, but I really feel strongly about what Brogdon has managed to do on a team that's now looking playoff bound, what he's managed to do alongside really good players, alongside a likely all-NBA player. Dario Saric doesn't have that issue, having to share the court, share responsibilities, the ball, his role with an all-NBA type player. So that should be considered, that should heavily weight on it, but look, bottom line, rule to live your life by, people are dumb. In Stephen A. Smith voice, oh, I'm sorry, O'Darich. <laughs> I wish you had actually done it in his voice rather than just in Stephen I, A. Smith voice. I, I, can't, getting, I can't. I was do... getting mildly excited when you did that. I was going, "Wow, this is this is gonna go places." I can't do that. He has like the New York accent. I can't do that well. Wow, that one's out of your range. Yeah. From Alex underscore Candy zero two three again. Am I one of the last guys in the keep kid camp? So many of the guys, especially Jet, speak so highly of him and the culture he's created. I think you probably are one of the last guys in the keep kid camp. 
I don't I don't like like everything else. Um like the Jabari camp. I don't like these camps. Let's stop setting up camps. Let's all be just let's take things as they come. Can we just maybe can we just have decision. it as a suburb? Suburb? No, let's just, just all... stop being so partisan <laughs> on every detail within the team. Why do we have to do it? Why does everything have to be the best or the worst, Jordan? Which which camp would you rather live in? Are you ready? Are you ready? <laughs> Would you rather live in the keep kid camp, the play Spencer Hawes? No, that that. You're, you're gonna make this it. worse. I know you're gonna make it worse for me now. The keep kid camp, the play Terrence Jones camp, or I'm, I'm, the, 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 let's the just option, keep it there. The option is there for you. You're not finding it, thankfully. I don't know. I know who it is. I'm just trying to think of like how to phrase it. The the Rashad Vaughn oh, is good camp. Oh no, I found it. Um, which camp has the most guns? Uh. you weren't supposed to give serious consideration to that. Really, what I'm saying, Jordan, is I don't want to be in any of those camps. Yeah. Don't make me choose. <laughs> You don't have to choose. I think to seriously kind of weigh in on this. I don't know what kind of culture he's created. I mean, when things go well, guys are going to say the culture here is great. Like, I, I maybe when Alex referring to Jet there, part of that could be down to some of the things that Jet said on the breakaway, the Sports Illustrated podcast that was basically all about him uh, I think it was called The Veteran that episode our experience it was experience uh, go yeah. listen to it if you haven't already it's well worth it Jet is a hero he is one of my favourite people full stop when I grow up I want to be like Jason Terry Jordan but I Jason think Terry when... Jordan or Jason Terry well I don't know I'd have to research Jason Terry Jordan to make a decision on that but I think part of that, when you talk about the culture in that kind of scenario, you're talking about, oh, they, they've got something really good going with the culture here. And really what you're saying is, Yanis, uh, Middleton and Jabari are really good. And if I'm going to play another year or two, it'd be fun to play with those guys. They'll make it easier for me. When the team is losing, I don't know what the culture is. Like when they go on a tailspin like they did. What can we say about the culture? When, and we haven't spoken about it yet, I don't know, we'll have to, maybe now is the time to do it, but when they pull out one of their most important wins of the season against the Hawks, and we decide to berate the best player who got you the win, publicly on the court, straight away, not even let's enjoy the moment and deal with this later, deal with it tomorrow, or just actually realize I'm completely in the wrong here. I have nothing to deal with. Like, I don't know what the culture is there. Yeah. Uh, the, the only thing I can actually identify as the culture that I can say is in every single thing he has ever said. I don't think he can get six words out of his mouth without, like, maybe six, maybe a little bit more. I, I didn't, didn't think this true, Jordan. I don't know exactly how many words. Eleven. I'm about to say here, but we don't worry about offense. We worry about defense. I think 
that is the culture. That is the full extent of the culture. Sometimes that's fine. I'm not, this isn't me criticizing the culture right now or whatever. I just don't know. I can't give you tangible or even kind of a vast array of hypothetical what the culture is. That's what I come up with right now. Because we've even, UCL say it was like um, transition based and fast paced. It's now not. They're playing their best basketball slower. Like, I don't know where I'm reaching for identity here. So what's the culture? Answers on a postcard. If someone can explain what the culture is to me. Well then, you know. Maybe I'll reconsider. I, I, I think just the keep kid camp. I don't like the fire kid camp. I don't like the keep kid camp. I like to just let's go about our business. Uh, let's not go camping tonight. We'll check into a hotel and we'll make a rational and deliberate decision about this in the moment. Yes. Not everything starts and ends with kid. And I, I, uh, but I even just, it, even the stuff that does, it doesn't have to just be. We don't just have to constantly be locked in on one or the other. Yeah, there are moments where you go, "My God, what is he doing? Why is he mm -hmm. the coach? He needs to be fired." <sighs> there are moments you go, "They've kind of sort of pulled that together. They figured it out. I don't know how. I don't know why, but." He deserves credit for that. Well done. And I think all of that means that deciding on it being in camps isn't wise. Wait till the end of the season, then consider it with the bigger picture. If you were to ask me now, it's the bigger picture. Do I feel like he is more of a net positive or a net negative? I'm leaning net negative. Yeah. Same here. That's not saying fire kid. That's just saying... Yeah. Is there a better option out there? Is it something they should at least consider? Yes. Tony. Yeah, you, you know where I am on that one. It's just a struggle to just be keep kid or fire kid, I guess. From a DJ Jazzy J1. Which current books player or coach does your pickup game most closely resemble? Our coach. Yeah, I knew you'd be very intrigued by that <laughs> particular detail. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Daniel will have added our coach as bait for you, knowing that you would bite. You think I want to go kid, don't you? No, I'm not. I, I wouldn't have expected you to say that your pickup game resembles Jason Kidd's. I will be honest, Jordan, that was not what I was expecting. Yeah. Um, yeah. I would expect something more of... The Boss Foss. I was going to say Greg Foster, or even, I, I don't know, uh, just maybe for the sake of a joke, you would have gone Josh Brohammer. Maybe Eric yeah. Hughes. Hey, Stacey, I went there. He was an NBA player. Yeah, I don't think... I'm not athletic, though. You're the elastic man. I don't think <laughs> no. that's... I do have long arms, though. Really? What's your yeah. wingspan? I say that as if any normal person knows their wingspan, but tell me, let's guess at your wingspan. I want to say it's like 6'3", 6'4", maybe? 
I have no idea what mine is. I, I Jordan will have seen I turned around to to stretch my hands out and look in the mirror behind me and I, I as I did it I was like, Well that's that is useless. I have no idea what that is. I don't I don't think I I'm five eleven. I do not think I have a six three or six four wingspan. Pretty sure mm. that would get me in the NBA. Mm. Yeah. Uh, did I ever? Did I ever tell? I had an interaction. It wasn't an interaction. Oh, here we I go. I saw Greg. I saw the boss Foss in real life. You never said this before. This is this is a new nugget of information. I I don't know why it just popped in my head, but I was at it. This this uh, was Joel Kinsella where... here. No, that was a uh, that was at a later date. That's an unusual moment in your life for Joel Kinsella not to be there. Yeah, very, very. Um, I went to go get brunch with a couple of friends, and oh, <laughs> I love where this is going already. Let's do it. You know, it was. I mean, it was later. It wasn't. I'm going by time. You're being that specific, so it it definitely couldn't be called breakfast. It couldn't be called lunch. So you're having to commit that you had. Maybe it was breakfast. No, you've said brunch. I mean, yeah. What, I what sort of time was it? Maybe a little bit past noon. Oh, I mean, like, yeah, come that's on. brunch. That's it's yeah. definitely not breakfast. That's that's more lunch than anything. But yeah, yeah, okay, we'll call it brunch. Did you eat breakfast food at that time? Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, I usually brunch. It's full brunch, right? Yeah. You had brunch. So I was there. This is the first year that this is 2014-15. Uh, I think it was during the All Star break, so they were already like a good team. He was uh, brunching it up. He was brunching it up, brunching it up with his family. And I was wearing a Bucks hat, and I was kind of like positioning it so he'd kind of see. Because that I wouldn't go up to him and be like, "I really like your work." Greg you wanted Foster. him to come over to you? Was that what? <laughs> no, no, no. I was just saying, like, do it over here, and like. I, I, so I you were wearing you were wearing your hat sideways, is what we're getting at here. No, no, it was a winter hat. It was during winter. Uh, okay, well, that, that just so looks was, like you're careless, Jordan. No, no, no. Yeah. So I was positioning it, and I was kind of like going like. You know, pointing to it, you know, well, as I'm eating my pancakes. Was this where you live? Uh, no. Is it, no. So, disclose the location, then. I cannot. Oh. <laughs> there you go. If any, again, any of you had Okay, guesses, it was at Rick Foster's house. If any of you... It was not at his house. But yeah, yeah, guesses was, for where very... Jordan encountered Greg Foster. Again, send them on a postcard. Um, to Jordan Tresky and then send me a tweet I'll give you the rest of the address he's as tall as you think he is he's a very tall man he must be like he's he got to be close foot? to 7 foot yeah it must be or he was a seven. I would have thought he was at least 6'11 so yeah um, do you know what he was eating I think he had some I cannot remember it's what, yeah I don't think I remember. I was trying to because there wasn't a lot really in this story. I was trying to flesh it out just so. Banana Foster, is that what you're going to say? Because it's David's. No, no, that was what you were always going to say. So I've at least given you the opportunity to do that. He was eating Bananas Foster. Which, which current books player or coach does your pickup game mostly cl- well, closely resemble, though, Jordan? Is it Greg Foster? Uh, to that. I, don't, I know no, he no, used no. to be oh. a, a terror in the post. But I, I thought we'd moved on from that. I thought you'd... It's probably Rashad Vaughn, because I like Vaughn. I cannot make many three-pointers, even though I try. Yeah, 
I, I'd say I'm I'm probably 1000% Delhi. I can't. Delhi dribble. or did you say Delhi or Telly? Not Delhi. I can't dribble. Because in my head, I, I'm Telly, but in my my heart, I'm, I'm Spencer. Or no, no. In my heart, I'm. Wait, don't. No. Did I mess, mess that up? In my heart, I'm Telly. I don't know. Wow. Uh, I'd be Delhi. I can't really <laughs> dribble. Maybe I could sometimes pass. Maybe sometimes shoot, but more liable to injure myself or others. I'm pretty good at the Dirk. Ryan Anderson type fadeaway. Wow. Wow. Really? You're pretty good at the Dirk Ryan Anderson type fadeaway. Why? Well, I, I just, I, I'm not, I'm not saying to not, their. I'm level. not buying this, Jordan. I'm really. I, I, could... I need to see footage of this. We need video proof. When I say well, we, you... it's me because, of course, no one else knows what you look like aside from the eye patch and the long hair. But. Yeah, and the beard. I need video proof of you hitting Dirk fadeaways. Wow. Uh, it's just no, it's just a one footer, one foot fadeaway. You say that as if it's any less ridiculous. Well, but, I would normally walk on one foot. Is that because that? is that because of the one leg? Is that because of yeah, <laughs> the next one <laughs> from a bango crossing? Uh, former staff writer Jeff Herman. How much do you pay Snell this summer? What's the limit? <sighs> I really, I was gonna. Have we talked this? Are you going? Have you raised on ten million? No, no, I'm not gonna raise it. I was going to make a tweet though today because there's a influx of, oh look at that trade for MCW. Like we need another reminder that that was like a home run. Like you know what I mean? But anyway, I was gonna make a tweet. I was like, are people going to be this happy? When the Bucks eventually pay Tony Snell for year forty million over four years, um, so yeah, I, I I like to bring on that kind of uh, commotion. That's not the right word. Anyway, I think it's I, I'm I'm locking in four years, forty million. <laughs> I can tell you do not like that. You do not have to lock it in. I really just, ugh, I struggle so much with that. That's just not going to end well. It really isn't. He's got to be 29 by the end of that. He's not, I mean, he does a lot for the books right now. He's good, he's solid. But let's not pretend he isn't limited at the same time. So what is 29-year-old Tony Snell going to give you for 10 million? Joy. That's what it is. That is debatable. Um... You can stretch there if you can get whatever other business you need to get done. I mean, I think that's for me is the most important. I'm I'm still on maybe I'm even more firmly. You know, I'm firmly in the camp, Jordan. I'm in the camp of Greg Monroe needs to be top priority this summer. Mm. He's he's mm. honestly he's doing too much. Um. Plus, he's just way too entertaining. Yeah. Give him, get him in front of a camera, and I am in. I mean, I would buy Greg Monroe pay per views where he just laughs. I don't know. Did you see that that video I tweeted earlier? I didn't see all of it. But I saw the first well, couple. The the end of it is the bit you need to see because there's a picture of Jason Terry that he doesn't recognize as Jason Terry. He thinks it's Harambe. It's beside the point. But when he gets told it's Jason Terry. The way he says Jason Terry and then lets out a laugh. I mean, I might just loop that and make it my ringtone. 
But you, that's 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 commitment if you do that. That's joy, Jordan. That is joy. You ask, you think you'll get joy from Tony Snell at twenty nine? Greg Monroe laughing will give you joy. So you're talking, you're saying Monroe is joy to you, and Snell is pain, sunshine, and rain. No, I wasn't song. saying that at all. But it's a song reference. There we go. From an Alex underscore Keg zero to three, do we bring Jeff back if he starts asking for more than the vet men? How much more would we be okay paying him? He's Jason, not. He's not. Jason Terry's not going to ask for more than the vet men. Yeah. The guy doesn't need the money. Just loves playing basketball. Wants to be a part of the team. Um. There is great joy in the fact that he is what Steve Novak was at this time last year, as in the lock for he's going to come back, except the difference is we can all happily welcome Jason Terry back. Be like, wow, he could still do basketball things. And if he shows up at like the Wisconsin State Fair, people are going to love him. Oh, man. Hmm. You go. Th- I hope he does. Yeah. I'd go that. I'm, I'm, I mean, I have to put my, I have to book flights for that. If someone's going to give me the chance to watch Jason Terry milk a cow, I'll be there. Oh. Hmm. From an Alex Oscar Koenig zero to three, if the books were present day popular rappers, who's Kendrick Lamar and who's Drake? Um, Jordan is bamboozled by this. I don't think there's a perfect fit for this. I, I think... Really, we can only use the two best players of the team for this, and neither is a perfect fit. But I'd probably go. Chris Who is on a Canadian um, team soap opera in their uh, a young career? Tyler is unfortunately no longer with. Oh mother! Oh man! He might be there next year. He might be in a Canadian soap opera next year. I mean, I don't know if he's gonna have anything else going on. How quickly everyone turns their back. I don't really buy into this thing. It's not an easy comparison, but I'll just say Kendrick Lamar, a little bit less flashy. He just does he does yeoman's work. He does the work that everyone's like, wow, look at Kendrick Lamar. Doesn't tell everyone about it, though. So, let's not make some Chris Middleton. Giannis is Drake. Giannis has got Drake's mass appeal. Mm. I could do this question... If it were not rappers, maybe I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you don't, that's you could do if it's rappers too. Yeah, I just I, I don't. I mean, you. It's really it's too mainstream for you. Is really the problem. I mean, this needs. I don't mean that in some sort of hipster way. I mean that in if this was embarrassingly obscure, you would be all over it. Yes, very embarrassingly obscure is my middle name. Wasn't that the name of the band you used to? play bass in no okay from at alex underscore canning zero two three yet again who who did dunk it jordan <laughs> when hens are playing well before losing his arm how much does that injury hurt the team going forward uh this was i will say this was submitted before they lost the bulls because spencer halls played minutes so in the time since then the books have gone forward and effectively gone backward so yeah that hurts them quite a bit more than anyone would have liked to say or give credit to but 
Yeah, I mean, Henson is a lot better than Spencer Hall's. Yeah, and he, like you said earlier, he had a very good stretch this week. He still has his moments of, what are you doing, John Henson? He, you know, he got crossed. Like, literally, the play they hurt his thumb on was, like, you know, the quintessential John Henson, what are you doing moment. Because it, it was just, he, yeah, fell down like a box of rocks. Anyway, um, but yeah, he's been solid for them and, not having him uh, in the rotation is not very good. Plus, it's a sprained thumb. Like, I don't th- I don't know. I don't feel like that's a weak injury. Or I know it said reevaluator or something like that. No, but... it, it is a very minor injury, but the one thing with that is it could feel okay and he comes back, and that is maybe the easiest He's still going to bobble. Like... That's the easiest injury to kind of recur in the NBA. If his thumb isn't 100% right, the first ball he goes to catch could re-sprain his thumb. Yeah. It's it's yeah, kind of I, a weird one like that because the sprained thumb is just so minor that if that happened to... He has to get the DeMar DeRozan. Right, it doesn't matter, but if you're a basketball player, everything you do, you're going to feel it if you have a sprained thumb. Well, it matters because I play a lot of billiards and I like to put the cue on the thumb. Not pool. Not snooker. You play billiards. I, I no, I don't. I was just doing it for for a joke. Believe it or not, I knew that, Jordan. Oh, thank you. I'm gonna stop saying from Alex Koenig until we're not from Alex Koenig. Does that work? The Koenig Corner. Yeah, it's basically Koenig Corner. For we have some other people who are involved in a minute, but we're still in Koenig Corner. What does an ideal center point guard look like around Jabari Yanis Middleton? Hmm. Center, I think it's a thon like stretch. Well, is it? I guess. Uh, why not Greg Monroe? <laughs> why not? Uh, I, I think the the tricky part with this, right? It's always just dependent on the other guy. Greg Monroe could be the perfect center if the point guard is the right balance for the lineup as well. It's about balancing yeah. at every spot. And if you have a more defensive center, then they're going to need a point guard who's maybe more offensive, less defensive-minded. You're always going to have that need to balance between the two. So there's not an ideal archetype for both. You just need to make sure that between those two positions, you're getting the right mix for the core three guys. Mm. Yeah. I don't know what they look like. Maybe they have a mustache. Really? It could be... Good. God, Jordan. It could be Brogdon and Monroe. I'm not saying it is. I'm not saying I think it is. But we don't really know because we didn't get to see Jabari Yanis Middleton this year. Yeah. We're no wiser on that than we were a year ago, unfortunately. But we are a year older. Very literally, you are like now exactly. years older, Jordan. Yeah. Did it? Was that? Did it just hit you at that moment? Was that what that was? Yeah, it was like a flare just hit me in the face. Are you dealing with it okay? <laughs> yeah, it's a birthday. It, I mean, it's like everyone says, you you can live with birthdays, but you can't live without birthdays. You know what I mean? I have never heard anyone say that, but I feel like more people should be saying it. I will tweet that out momentarily. <laughs> Again, not saying who this is from. Um, I have I have a prediction. 
Vaughn will light up the G League next year and we will all call him G League Kobe. What do you think? Well, Alex, I think no. Um, I will Vaughn be in the G League next year? I mean, there's Kobe Carl is the head coach of the Defenders. I mean, he's G League Kobe. He really is. He, I mean, he coached yeah. the D League All-Star team this year. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if Vaughn will light up the G League next year. It Maybe if the G League introduced some sort of development league, maybe they could call it the, the D League. How about it? Um, maybe he'd do well there. I don't know. Uh, very seriously, I just... I don't believe he could light up the G League. Will he be there next year? Very possible. That might be best case scenario for him. I will never call him G League Kobe. That much, I could assure you. Yeah. What's the most pressing need for the books in the draft? Point guard, center, competent, Yanis backup, something else. Point guard. Point guard. Come on. By virtue of just having two point guards, I think it's kind of important. Yeah. Um, they're not going to be drafting a point guard. I know they. We've been through this last week. You you had this horrible realization last week that in the best point guard class in God knows how long, the books have decided to make the playoffs and miss out on all of the point guards. I'm saying That's... that. I'm saying that we're talking big boards. There's no guarantee that seven point guards are going to be taken in the top ten ish. Some you teams, say that now. Some teams will draft on need. Well, look, as we said all along, not many teams need point guards in the NBA. So maybe the Bucks just get lucky enough that they have a couple left on the board by the time it gets to them. Yeah, that's true. But yeah, point guard. Point guard. I've seen a lot of the Bucks drafting centers, so I don't feel very confident or comfortable with that. What was the point of Ton if we're going to draft a center? Yeah. What, what would what would you do if you had two rookie centers in your rotation? Because Ton would be very close to a rookie still next year. Like, what are you doing? So even that's like, if everyone else goes and you've just got what a Henson Ton plus a rookie center, or you trade Henson and Halls is gone, you've got Monroe Ton and a rookie center. There's no logic to that. Um, so. I mean, bet the house on the books drafting a center, but yeah. Any house. I'd rather a point guard, but I think a playmaker. Someone someone generally who can create their own shot. Like if there wasn't a point guard there rather than a center, I would prefer if they got a forward who could create for himself. Yeah. Basically a Beasley type that you could say longer term, right? Well, this is the guy we can trust to be that. Or someone who could be a... I mean, a Jamal Crawford, a Lou Williams type guy off the bench. Not that the Bucks have the greatest recent track record when they go for these kind of streaky shooters and scorers in and around the 17th pick of the draft, which is very possibly where they might land this year. Uh, I can't oh, you're talking about G League Kobe. Yeah, that's the guy, Jordan. So I, I wouldn't mind a player like that either. Not feeling center, though. Right. This is from... A- Duke runner 14. So not Alex Koenig. How much more dangerous can the books be if Ton's jump shooting is on point? Hasn't been lately. 
I think that I think the problem with that is without his jump shot, what is he offering at the moment? But it's not like when he ha- was having this stretch of you know three of five from deep or something like that in a game. It wasn't like it was contributing too much. Like one of his best games the season, he was still playing like. He only like extended minutes. He only plays are when games are out of out of hand, and that's either they're lose they're gonna lose the game or they're gonna win the game. A lot of what Thon is doing is not gonna be like, oh, if only they if Thon could have made two more threes, like that's yeah. But you can't dismiss it out of hand because he was making, even if he was playing like those say five to seven minutes, he was making a tree, and that matters. I mean, that's helping you get a faster start, where. Even deep into the season, long past him getting real opportunity, he was at like 45% from three. He's now at 38%. Like, there has been a drop-off in a big way. He has... He's only made four three-pointers in March. Sounds like Spencer Hawes. That's on 22 attempts for Tons. So Tons 4 for 22 for March. I mean, that's not helping you. So it would definitely help yeah. if, he, if he made more than 20% from tree. He's at about, what, 17% for March. So, yeah, not decisive, but uh, would that be a nice thing to start happening? Definitely. Back to Alex Kane. Can you believe it, Jordan? My heart and my eyes tell me Snell is a good defender, but his defensive rating says otherwise. Why discrepancy? His matchup. This is very simple. Um, none of the book's defensive ratings look good. And defensive rating is quite difficult this year to kind of hold in any context because the offensive rating is so much higher around the league that what we would have measured even as good a year ago isn't the same now. Plus, yeah. The books were a horror show on defense for a large chunk of this year, so it doesn't really matter what he's doing individually if his teammates are not doing something good. So, for example, if we want to play into, which I don't particularly like, but if we want to say Jabari's an awful defender, Jabari's mistakes are a problem, Snell spent a lot of his minutes on the floor with Jabari this year, so every Jabari mistake is going to take a hit on Snell. Mm. Unfortunately, and there's still a lot of defensive numbers that get used, there is no foolproof defensive metric. It's the part of the game that there's real difficulty in measuring and tracking because so many kind of intangibles go into it, and so many little movements. Uh, the best example of this is denying shots don't generally show up in most defensive stats where really that's the best defense possible. Like if you're the best defender around, are you going to give a good contest in the shot? Or are you going to stop your man from getting a shot off altogether? Mm-hmm. There's major issues with defensive metrics. So they are tricky to kind of always put too much stock in. I would trust your eyes. Tony Snell is a, is a good defender. Yeah. I think, I think I said about it last week where he has good length and all that stuff. He's not, like, the sharpest, like, movement guy, but he's generally a good defender. Like, today, like, Jimmy Butler had a good game, 
but he was still kind of causing problems for him, even though I wouldn't say <laughs> look at today and look at look at how the Bucks play defensively and be like, oh, look at this game, you know, kind of like hold it up as a you know champion for him. But yeah, he's a solid defender. I don't feel like Snell has a lot of lapses of concentration. That might be the biggest no. part of it. I think he's very mentally strong, or he just has really good focus, which. If you can do that, you don't have to be a great individual defender. A big part of team defense is just not falling asleep at the wrong time and letting your man get in a position to cut or get open for a tree or whatever it is. I think that's something he does very well. He's very diligent. He works hard, and that makes you a good defender. Jersey fits on him, the basketball player. Yeah, so he doesn't have to worry about offense because that's, that's not the culture. Um, from a pencil to two nine two. Do you think Paddy Mills would suit this team? Could have yes. three Australians on the floor at once if we. Oh my gosh! Season. Yes, Paddy Mills has got to be expensive. Oh yeah, but too in theory. In theory, absolutely. I just don't. I mean, if you're getting Paddy Mills, you're saying goodbye to one of oh Snell or Monroe. And trading someone else. Maybe, yeah. I mean, if you got rid of Henson, if you dumped Henson, maybe you could have room for Paddy Mills in some way. You'd get closer and be able to do some other things. Maddie Pills. Well, that would be fun and interesting, because even um, if you think back to the Olympics... Paddy Mills and Delhi played really well together. That's right, yeah. In the, in the backcourt. Um, like, he does have that kind of change of pace. He just also has this kind of flamethrower instant offense at times that the books just don't get from that position. So that's the kind of thing where, without even being a major name or the most obvious game changer, Add him to a rotation that already has Delhi and Brogdon as point guard options, and all of a sudden you've got a really strong point guard rotation. I had him in 2K14 with the Bucks, won a championship. You're welcome. What? 2K14? Yeah, traded Brandon Knight. Wasn't even a fan back then. Wow, look at that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You were ahead of the curve on that one, Jordan. Oh, yeah. People are going then... to be angry with you for trading him. You know, that's how it works. Oh, yeah. You're going to get tweets years from now. So, Patty Mills Carter. You could have won Patty two Mills. championships if you'd kept Brandon Knight. <laughs> the last one from at David Dunn 21. Any chance that Giannis A plays 40 to 42 minutes in the postseason? A. B is instructed to take over at all times. Is instructed to take what? Take over at all times. Oh. A. Not B. I mean, they're not mutually exclusive. Read the question again. I'm misinterpreting this. Any chance that Giannis A plays 40 to 42 minutes in the postseason? B oh, okay. is instructed to take over at all times. Yeah, for some reason I was taking it A or As B. A or B. I, know, I know where you're going, but that's not, that's not what the intention was. Uh, a, yes, he's going to play... He's going to play 42 to 45 minutes a game. Really? I'm, Somewhere around there. I just don't know what kid does with minutes that I can't make that bold declarative statement. 
42 to 45 minutes. Really? I don't I don't think Yanis could play 45 minutes. Well, I'm, I'm lighter I, in. I mean, the more Yanis minutes goes up, the more foul trouble is going to come into play in a hurry. Oh, yeah, that's true. That's, that's <laughs> not... I mean, there are times where Kid gets valid criticism for his Yanis minutes. Let's not pretend that Yanis doesn't also often find himself in early foul trouble. And that's going to yeah. be the biggest thing for the books of the playoffs. Right, it's good that refs kind of swallow the whistles a little bit, but... I mean, any game where Yanis gets two fouls in the first quarter of the playoffs could be game over. Man. Um... B, what was B again? It was, is he instructed uh, to take over at all times? Um, I mean, he's instructed. I would assume he'd be instructed. Doing that... We don't know. That depends on the matchup too, right? I mean, yeah. if it's the Cavs, and so, like, context the Cavs too. you're not going to go, Yanis, take over at all times. You're going to try and... Yeah. You're going to try and get Chris Middleton to have a really big impact in that series and take things away from LeBron as much as you can. Yeah. I think what I'm interested in is, I said it last week, that we kind of have a misconception that Giannis being aggressive has to be him scoring. Um, I have no problem if Giannis goes through the playoffs averaging 14 to 15 points a game if his assists are up in a major way and he's just... He's dictating the play in all aspects. Yeah. I don't have an issue with that. I mean, that is that is him taking over. That's him being aggressive. That might be what is best for the books. So I'm, I think I'm most curious for that is to see what does assist numbers kind of go like in the playoffs. And is if this is, you know, this is your time, let's do it. Yeah, it's important that he goes and he fills it up, gets his share of points, but it's also, all right, this is on you. So... When your shot isn't there, you can't get to the rim. Don't just kind of give a passive pass out and let's fall into this stagnant half-court offense where Malcolm Brogdon throws up some forced fadeaway to, as the shot clock winds down, let's make a decisive pass in the moment. When you're still drawing the attention, let's go, okay, I've got the attention. Where's the open man? Or who can I hit now that they can swing it to the open man? Yeah, I think that's that's an aggression that's really important for Giannis. We'll see. I I do think Giannis is really he's a different animal now. Like in the playoffs, he is he going was, to. He was a to... caterpillar two years ago, and now he is a butterfly. He's broken out of that cocoon. Not the movie. Yeah. There's something too gentle about caterpillars and butterflies for where I'd take it. But I think Yanis is going to look to make a serious, serious statement in the playoffs. That could backfire. Can't spell... That could backfire. Wrong matchup and he's forcing it. That could not go well. But if things click for him, he can he can do what he wants. This is This is where my optimism is coming from. We're going to see the second round, Jordan. As Johnny Mack really. said before the, the Bulls game today, it's we saw him grow in front of our eyes like a Chia pet. Therefore... Have you noticed yeah. this? That's about the fifth time Johnny Mack has 
broken out the cheap I think this season. It was the first time it really resonated with me that he said Chia Pet. No, he goes to Chia Pet all the time. I remember the first time he said it, I had no idea what a Chia Pet was. This is why it stands oh. out with me. So You're more of a pet rock type of guy. Don't know what that is either. These things don't exist here. Look it up. Look it up. Look up pet rock. Wow, this is a real thing. Mm-hmm. How much does one of these cost? Well, I, I don't think it's, is it's it, not a thing anymore. But there was a time when people bought someone what looks like a Happy Meal box. It's basically, you know, like the whole potato ice. thing? The whole potato thing going on right now? Like, that was, like, pet rock. I'm not going to say some of these don't look cool. I'm looking at one right now that looks a little like Jason Kidd. Oh, I see it. Um, yeah, but anyway, Johnny Mac has got a real... Maybe he's maybe he's got some sort of Chia Pet endorsement deal on the side. Maybe he's just an avid fan. Maybe he's got a room in his house dedicated to Chia Pets. Oh, this, this one's got uh, sunglasses on. I saw that one too. Um, but yeah, on the note of Pet Rock and Chia Pets and all of those things, that is it for us for this week. If the books don't books it up in the next couple of weeks, we might have some things for you. We might have some exciting announcements. If the books books it up, we'll just forget I ever said this because there'll be no excitement for you. But who knows? Stay tuned. If the books keep it together, we might have some that one's got hair. In the meantime, read all of our work behind the bookpass.com. Subscribe to tonight tunes. Why is a dog in here? Follow us on SoundCloud. Add us on Stitcher. Wish Jordan Tresky a very happy birthday. Ask Jordan Tresky. And we will be back next week. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Jordan. Thank you. Well, that one's got glasses on. <laughs>